morning I want to start with maybe historical lead-up. It's a little different way to start today, but I thought I would do that. I love when we read uh, ancient scriptures and we get the story of God, his redemptive love, and we just came through the incarnation of Christ through Christmas and how awesome that was, and now we begin this new year to live in the purposes of God. Uh, I'm thinking that, uh, man, just in the blink of an eye, things can change ever so fast, good or bad, but man, life is just happening. I know so many of you are excited about tomorrow, going back to work. And back to school on Tuesday, teachers back to school tomorrow to get ready. I mean, everybody, you, you can just feel the joy in the room and the anticipation and, and setting alarms. It, it, don't you just feel great about it? And if you're like me, some of us have decided, hey, we probably put on a few pounds during the holidays, but man, it sure was fun. It's going to be murder now. But I want to start in a way that I was thinking about 20 years ago. In 1996, my wife and I had the joy of stepping out of a great church, a thriving student ministry, making disciples, to plant a church that nobody had ever heard of. It was in our heart. It was a vision from the Lord, and we began a journey. We move out here, and uh, wow, fun. We go to AUM. We have a setup team. For two and a half years, we had a setup team. I pulled a trailer behind my van for the first two years, to, or for the first year, and then we got a closet big enough to house all the stuff. It, it, was, it was awesome. Two and a half years, God began to bless and grow, and people come to the Lord, and we bought this original piece of property, and then we bought the second piece of property, and we built this building. In 2010, we moved in that. Man, just, just fun, thinking about it over the last 20 years. And one of the things I learned is a lot of times people talk smack about the church. <laughs> they just slam the church. And let me tell you guys, this is God's girlfriend. This is God's wife. This is the bride of Christ. And the church said, you don't talk about the church. When you talk about the church, you edify the church. And everybody said, I'm going to do that. And I just think about all the things that it's been through and all the joys and ups and downs. And Bill Hybels, the guy that started Willow Creek, that we're part of that association, he really influenced Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, me, hundreds, thousands of others. He said, I still believe that the church is the hope of the world today. And I go, amen. I love the church. The eternal hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. But I love the church, and, and you love the church. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm thinking about the church. Or I got burned by the church. Or I don't know about the church. So I just started thinking about it. And so I, 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 I thought about 20 years ago, what was I thinking well, I was seeking the Lord, I was growing, and God just began to put a burden on my heart, and it wouldn't go away. Actually, it started when I was doing theological studies in Emory, and it burned, and it burned, and it just got greater, and my wife and I just, we, we couldn't put it down. We had to deal with it. And so I just wrote down some reasons. You might want to write them on the side, maybe not. I just thought, what is it you want to do, God? And I thought, I just wrote down a reason. The name of Jesus to be lifted high in a contemporary setting in the central Alabama region. Now, you look back 20 years ago, this was unique. There were some blended churches, some Maranatha churches, I'll call them. But contemporary, straight up, we were kind of it. And we would do these Friday night gatherings, and people would come. And I said, God, that's the kind of church. We wanted to gather people. I wrote down another reason. The biggest question was not whether or not I liked the worship. I still think about that. But did I encounter Jesus? Now, can I just say something to you? Just write in the margin, if you write nothing else today, encounter Jesus and put a question. You can imagine as the senior pastor, I, I get 
called stuff, I get talked to, I get encouraged, I get rebuked, all kinds of things. And sometimes people come to me and go, ah, ah, that church. Right, right, right. And they give me the things they don't like about the church. I go, man, that's awesome. It's encouraging. And one of the things when I was thinking about, I came up with this line early on, and I thought, you know what? My whole goal is not whether you like the song, whether you like the prayer, whether you like my third point, my first point, you like the poem, you like the greeter, you like the coffee, you like the donuts. Did you encounter Jesus? Isn't that a great question? That's the only goal I've had since we started 20 years ago was, do the people of God, do the people of faith, do people that are seeking, do they encounter Jesus? I have to admit, sometimes I encounter Jesus more on some songs than others and in a prayer, in a word, or in a different setting, but I just thought that was a great thing. Here's another one I wrote. People would come just as they were, without pretense, to a safe place that would be redemptive in nature. That was a goal in my heart, that this would be a safe place, a refuge, a healing place. And can I tell you, it's been that for many There have been so many that have come through. Many of them are in heaven today. Many of them have moved all over the world because of our great military presence in this place and moved on or whatever. But I just think, God, I want it to be a safe place. I wrote down, the people who gathered care more about somebody else's eternal need than their want. That was so burning in my heart. And I think sometimes as we become a church, sometimes we get more about our wants than we do the needs of the kingdom of God. And I thought, God, do we care about the eternal needs of others? And then I wrote down this one. The church existed more for the people outside the walls of the church than it did the people inside the walls of the church. Somebody said, he don't go on the meddling a little bit. I wish he'd just go back to preaching a little bit. I don't like some of these points. It does. The church exists for those that haven't found redemption in Christ. Here's the thing God put in my heart, that the Bible would be held up as the absolute truth for our life in a relative world and we would not depart from this book we would hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against our god amen and i can tell you i've preached this word for 20 years and if the lord gives me 20 more or 40 more i'm going to continue to preach the word and you're going that's what we want to hear somebody that day said you come to my church i preach i preach the word i'm thinking kind of what i'm supposed to preach you know okay here we go here's one people accepted jesus were baptized and transformation would be obvious That's what I asked the Lord for 20 years ago. I also remember asking the Lord, Lord, could we find a church that people would just do life together in small groups? Because 20 years ago, there wasn't anybody hardly doing small groups. And I thought, God, that's the way the church, the early church, the book of Acts, they were meeting in homes. They were doing life together. I can't wait. This Wednesday night, we kick back off small group semester. Wednesday night and different days and nights. And I ask you, write it on the card today. Put it in the basket. Hey, I want to be a part of a small group this year. We'll connect with you. Here is one I wrote down 20 years ago. Sin would be sin, and it would be named and called out within the context of God's grace, love, and mercy. I thought that would be the church that Jesus would want. Here is one I've caught a lot of flack for. Marriage would be considered sacred and holy to the Lord Jesus, and we would fight for every marriage that ever came through the doors of Christ's community, that we'd see the power of Christ reconciling marriages. I still remember at AUM, I had two lieutenant colonels that came up to me, and they said, we're going to get a divorce. And I'm 37, 38 years old. I'm a little naive, a little brash. And I looked at them, I said, no, you're not. They said, but we are. I said, well, would you come to my office this week? And they did. 
They brought a divorce decree with them. In my office, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I saw them tear the decree up in front of my eyes, and we uh, redid their vows in a service one Sunday morning when we got through. I said, God, we want to be a church that will fight for marriages. Here's another one. The people would believe the best of their leaders, and that they assumed that the leaders were in prayer and fasting while making decisions. I thought that was something the church, the early church did. We should do it. Another thing I wrote down, people would be allowed to dream dreams, and they would dream big dreams. They want to do big things for God. Also wrote down this. Got to remember, I'm just 37 years old. People actually believed that it was more blessed to give than to receive, and they would give of their time and talent and their resources, not because they had to, but because they got to partner with God. Do you know in the first year or so, I never preached on money, and you went, what happened? It, it, was, it was just crazy. I, people would just give money, and they gave money, and at one time it was just unbelievable. But you got to remember, we were a church. We were renting space at AUM, and God moved us out here, and we had money to buy the property and start a building. And I just said, God, that's continuing to be the way of the church. So I ask you, you're doing your part. But here's one. I'm going to move on to the text in a moment. I wrote down this. Could the pastor be real? Could he be a person just like you? And I have to say, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Do you know I got up and put my shoes on this morning, my pants, just like you did? Do you know I have bad days and good days just like you? Did you know that on Christmas Day I had a flat tire on Donna's Honda Pilot? You said, but you're the pastor. You walk in the anointing and the favor of God. Flat tire it was. Walked out there and looked at it. Matter of fact, my wife probably picked up a screw from this building. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for the facility. I'm not complaining. And, uh, and we walked down. I wanted out to put gifts in it so we could go to another venue at my mother-in-law's. And the tire was flat. It was on the rim. And I was thinking, this is not what I think Jesus came for. And, uh, and then Donna said, don't worry about it. It's Christmas. Let's go. We'll deal with it tomorrow. But, you know, then I started thinking all the way there. Jesus is so good. I had a flat tire in the garage where it was warm and safe. Oh, they got me it was Christmas Day. I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And, 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 but it was flat, and I could change the tire right there. I know you're going, you're crazy. Well, you know, you know, hey, that, that's just the way it was. But I wrote down, the pastor could be real. The pastor would be allowed to make mistakes. God knows I've made a lot of mistakes. So maybe you can start writing those down. Please don't. But I know this, your pastor and your pastors here and your staff, they delight in serving you and they pray for you and they count it a joy and they do stumble and I stumble. And would you give us grace when we stumble because we want to give you grace because we want to be in this together. And the church said, grace. No, you're supposed to say grace. Okay, all right, here we go. All right. Let me give you a verse just in case you were wondering. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. That's what the word of God says. It's a flock of God that you would do those things and we would lead you well. Because here's our greatest goal. That you would flourish in Jesus. That you would become like the Savior. And 2016 would be your greatest spiritual year thus far in life. That's my prayer. Now, those are about 15 things I wrote down, and then I got to thinking, is this kind of church unrealistic? Really? And then I found one. There were a bunch of people 2,000 years ago, 120 that gathered. And then over a course of 90 days, they kept gathering, they kept gathering, and Jesus kept reappearing. It was just amazing. 
And then they said there's this historical Jewish itinerant rabbi, and he's not dead. He's alive. He came back. Uh, I thought that was pretty good news. I thought that was something to celebrate. You see, this resurrection thing is really a big deal. Somebody they killed, they crucified, they buried, and he raised on the third day. Folks, that's something to celebrate in 2016. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. He said, death, no. I live forevermore. Man, I got excited about that. I said, God, that's what we want. Because, you know, I want you to turn to Matthew. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. You've read it so many times. You've got it on stickers. You've got it on uh, posters and framed or whatever. You've got it on your computer. But let's just read it because we need to read God's word. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The great commission given to believers. One of the taglines we've used since the first day. Fulfilling the great commission in Montgomery and the world. I don't guess you've ever called the telephone here. Okay. Fulfilling the Great Commission. See, that was one of the things that I found serious, that that's something Jesus wanted us to do. He wanted us to go. He wanted us to make disciples. And that the, the church, if you'll back up, look at, just back up there in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Divine authority from the Father was given to the Son, that he was head of the church, and he was over the church, and he made us responsible to proclaim the riches and the salvation of our God, and that we would go, and we would be active, and we would make disciples, and we would teach them to obey everyone. That's the words of Jesus. I read a stat the other day. I've never quite seen it like this. Listen, 19 out of every 20 who become Christians who do so before they reach the age of 24. Wow, 19 of every 20 before 24. You get past 24, it gets slim whether you come to faith. But listen, after 25, only 1 in 10,000. I went, whoa. After 35, only 1 in 40,000 said this stat. After 45, only one in 200,000. After 55, only one in 300,000. After 65, only one in 500,000. After 74, let me tell you, if you've got 74 years and you ain't come to Jesus, you better run. It's like one in 700,000 come to Christ. I was, I was reading this thing. It was out of the leadership uh, magazine, and I went, Whoa! You know what it told me? We better have a foundation that we're presenting Jesus to the young people before their hearts get all cruddy and nastified. I made that up. And, and get all gross because if we don't come to Christ when we're young, we get, you're saying, but pastor, I'm going to have my college fun. You're going to be a college fool. You need to come to the Savior and the church said. And you're saying, but pastor, I'm 50, I'm 70, and I hear your words. But why don't you be one of these stats right here? You might be the one. I don't know. I was just thinking, I was reading that all authority on heaven and earth given to Jesus. I love this from D.L. Moody. I don't really like mine all that as much either. What's yours? Wait a minute, let me see. D.L. Moody said this. He spoke with a woman who didn't like his method of evangelism. You know, people will always be critics of what you do and what you don't do. So I love his response. He goes, well, I don't really like the, the, the manner in which I do it either. He says, but what's your method, lady? And she replied, 
I don't have a method of evangelism. He says, then I'll tell you what, I like mine better than I do yours. And all I'm saying is, this great commission, we better take serious, because I've just been begging God, God, we, we've done the 20, we just did the 20th Christmas season, but God, could this be a place, once again, of redemptive nature that every weekend people say yes to Christ. People come to Christ because people invite people to Christ. People come to Christ in small groups. People come to Christ in the workplace. How many want to have a church like that? Then let's be the church like that. Let's be investing and evangelizing and sharing our faith. Lord, that's what you want to do in this place. I believe it. Look here. I made it really simple today. I got, I, I got you so much room to write down stuff. Hopefully you're already writing. Here's number one. Four instructions. Here they are. You ready? And you probably could look at the scripture and go, I bet I can write them. Well, let me tell them to you for sake of time. The first one is go. Go. Jesus said go. Second one, make disciples. Go, make disciples. Write in there, make disciples. Then baptize them. That's what Jesus said. They become a follower of me. Follow me in baptism. Get in the tank. And the fourth one, teach them. Teach them to observe what I have taught. Teach them to observe the word of God. You're saying, go, make, baptize, teach. You know what the whole focus here is? Make disciples. See, in modern day church, we've made it all about, let's accept Christ. Let's accept Christ. And I understand the heart behind that, and that's partially good, but it's, it's so much greater. Jesus didn't go, just go accept me. Jesus said here, go, but make disciples. Teach them to observe what I've said. And this whole thing about baptism, too, we're going to talk about baptism at the end here, but when he says go and baptize, we're a community church. That means we're interdenomination. So we have all these denominations come together that can agree on the shed blood, the death, the burial, resurrection, and Christ coming again. And there's different modes of baptism. And we do Romans 6, and we bury people in the water, and they're raised up out of the water, and some sprinkle, and some use a water hose and some poor and whatever here's the whole bottom line we want you to follow christ and the church said man we need to do that we want a public declaration of our faith that's what baptism is i'm going public for jesus i'm just letting people know who he is but i'm going to go ahead and rock your world and some of you know this and some of you won't the great commission is not in the bible it's not in there that's a man terminology you won't read it here and jesus goes go do the great commission now, I started doing some research because I knew this from years ago, but I went back and it says, uh, you're not going to find Paul, you're not going to find Peter, you're not going to find Jesus saying, hey, go fulfill the Great Commission. So when do we start calling it that? I read about this Dutch missionary called Justinian von Welts in 1621. He's the one that really coined this verbiage, the Great Commission. So the church had been rocking along pretty good without this verbiage, the Great Commission, and then in the 1600s, but when it really got popular was another man that came that I read about 30 years ago. His name was Hudson Taylor. Does anybody in the room know what Hudson Taylor is known for? Okay, I'll tell you. Hudson Taylor was a missionary that left the country to go to inland China. He was a guy that God used to, to open up inland China to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was there's a, a book, write it down, it's called Spiritual Secrets by Hudson Taylor. It's a great read. And he became like the people. Instead of trying to westernize them, westernize them to become like Western Christians, he just proclaimed the scriptures, and he proclaimed Christ, and that nation became in Christ in a great way. And this great commission here, we'll, we'll use this phrase because we understand it. 
It wasn't given so much to an individual. It was given to a group. He gave it to, to the 11, but he also gave it to the world. He gave it to us. He gave it to us as a, as a church body to go and to walk in and to do his way and to go out in the community. What I love is the Great Commission is not the solo mission. Write that down. The Great Commission is not a solo mission. It's a group mission. We do it in community. We do it together. Oh, we have a part individually, specifically, we speak forth life. We share our faith. We have personal evangelism. That's all a part of it. But we do it as, as the body of Christ. If, if you go and you begin to look at the Greek on this, it's really interesting. The word go is really just assumed. The whole focus here is on making disciples. It's, uh, it's, it's this moving from one place to another but we, we go and we, we make disciples. And then this whole go thing, is, it, like I said, it's just really assumed. It's like, here, here's an example. Maybe you understand this. When you go to the store, get some eggs, okay? Even though the, the sentence assumes you're going to the store, what are you going to do when you get to the store? Wait a minute. When you go to the store, get some eggs, what's assumed that you're going to do when you get to the store? You're going to get some eggs. What did Jesus, he had us moving, going, but what's Jesus assuming we're going to do? We're going to make some what? Disciples. But we always go, well, we just leave that off. Making disciples is critical to the heart of the Father. It's, it's, it's implicit here to make disciples. Disciples aren't just mere followers. I love the term, I've been teaching this for years. I love the word Christ follower. The word Christian has lost power in our nation because we're a Christian nation, we're Muslim, we're this or that, and we have all these terms, and we think we're in America, we're Christians. We are not. We're only Christians when we're born again. Amen? And so we're not a Christian nation from that sense. But the whole thing is that we go and we make disciples. And so we, we talk about being a Christ follower. It, it focuses upon Christ. I follow after him. You are a follower. But Jesus just didn't say, hey, gather people and get some followers that are curious. It was so much more. Here in this passage, he says, go, but then the whole focus is when you go, and I'm counting that you are going, you are moving, what are you doing? You're making disciples. You're making disciples as you go. On the way, through there. I mean, it's pretty intense. Wherever you go, make disciples. You go to the basketball court, make disciples. You go to the grocery store, make disciples. You go to the neighborhood meeting, make disciples. You go to school, you make disciples. You go to work, you make You see, it's a whole thing going. It's always evolving. It's always happening. God wants it for you and me. You know, a lot of times, of course, I've taught this, and then when I really look at it, I'm like, well, maybe I messed them up a little bit. This whole thing, go. I, I love go. I, I served on a board for eight years called Go International, and the whole focus was go and, and uh, fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's right. And go is right. But the whole thing that God wants us to do is to make disciples of others. And this disciple thing, it's not so much um, magical or it's a plane ride. It's just that ever going, that ever present happening, just going forth. And I just think that God wants to do something new in us this year. I like what Howard Hendricks, he was a, a great professor at Dallas Theological Seminary and a I want, to hear, I want to share this quote. In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. <laughs> They're not confident of that which they say they believe or they know they believe or they know in their heart. And I pray that in 2016, we wouldn't stammer, we wouldn't stutter, 
we would be extremely determined to do his will. We would be determined to make Christ known even to the nations, even here in Montgomery, making disciples. But disciples, they're followers, but don't you write down this word. Disciples are learners. Disciple is a learner. I remember years ago when I was thinking about this term, this, the term learner, because learning means I've always got something to expand my mind on, something to focus on, something to get a whole tone. And I'm thinking, man, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a learner. That means you haven't learned everything. You don't know everything. There's still more nuances. There's still more to dig in. There's still more to awaken in your heart. And so this morning, I'm trying with everything God gives me, I want you to be a learner of Jesus. You know, when you go to school, what is the goal to go to school? Somebody says, well, it's to play sports. Well, that could be the goal for some. What's the, the goal of going to school? To get a girlfriend, to get a boyfriend. Well, you know, that's not the whole reason you ought to be there, but I, at least you're honest, I'll give you that. What's the goal of going to school? To learn, to get an education, to graduate, to go off to college, to, do, to go get a job, to do something else. And here's this whole thing. We don't graduate from this till God calls us home. Jesus says, make disciples, but be a learner. You know, I love... You know, because I'm a preacher, I preach and teach a lot. And when I get invited, they usually want me to run my mouth because I'm verbose. Don't say amen. And, and, but I love it sometimes when I just go to places and I just go back there and sit. And I just open the word and, man, they're just expounding. I'm like, man, that's, that's good, yeah. Man, I, I didn't get that, yeah. Like on the way in this morning, Tim didn't realize. Tim so set me up. Man, Tim was so excited about some truths that God had given him. And he was in class this morning sharing that, and he shared it with me. Man, it was rich. The only thing I hated was then the song started and the service was over, and Tim and I went different ways. I wanted to continue the conversation. He had something to say. And the body of Christ has something to say. How many of you believe that? That as a disciple, you're a pupil. You're a learner. Make disciples. Don't, don't blow away on that. And then a lot of times we'll, you know, we'll take off from that and we'll just go, nah, I don't know. Here's what I know. Jesus calls you and me to repentance, to turn from sin, to follow him, and to become a learner. And say, Lord, teach me about the kingdom. So this year I'm praying in 2016, this book is going to be non-negotiable. How many of you have Bibles today? Can you hold them up? I'm just curious. Hold your Bibles up if you got them. Hold them up across the room. Hadn't done that in a long time. Hold them up. Hold them up high. Come on. Let's see them. Now turn to the people next to you and go, where's yours? No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. that. That would be condemning. Like, next week you come here with them Bibles with about 35 pounds. Like, I got, I got my man, King James, about this thick. Yeah, I know. When I come here and open it, all pages are going to stick together because you ain't never looked in it, okay? Hey, I grew up in a home that didn't know Christ. I led my dad to Jesus. And we had this big Bible. I'm serious. I think it weighed 50 pounds. It sat on the living room table. And it was in King James old version. And it just sat there. I, I never saw it cracked. And I'd go in there once in a while and just go, blow the dust off of it. But, you know, it was just, hey, it wouldn't do anything for anybody, you know. And then I remember when this word came alive to my soul. And it breathed life into me. And I know when it breathed life into you, you wanted it, didn't you? This morning, I couldn't wait to run to my study, to get in God's Word. It was the number one thing I want to do. I, can't, I can tell you, some, some days I have a hard time. You're like, you're a preacher? 
I'm just like you. I'm busy too, you know? It gets crazy, but man, I'm like, God, just make me hungry for more of this this year. Let me run for your word. See, I have a, I have a journal that's just for me and Jesus when I walk with him, and then I have all these other things, computers and devices and notebooks where I'm writing and studying and doing sermons. But I got to tell you what, I can never let my sermon preparation get in the way of my personal feeding, and neither can you, church. You got to feed your soul. You're like, well, I come to church twice a month. Doesn't it make me a good Christian? No. <laughs> you come here 10 times a month. I ain't going to make you a good Christian. I mean, it'll help you, but you need time with him. All right, let's move on. People, follow him. Look, look at this quote right here by Perry Noble. Jeff and I went to hear him last a year ago. When the Great Commission becomes the great omission, then the church is no longer on the mission Jesus died for us to be on. Is the Great Commission become the great omission? Don't, don't answer it. I think it has. I think it has across our church, if we're really honest. If we're really honest in a lot of the church, I think because we're not seeing conversions and transformation of life like God would like to do, I think so as we've omitted the gospel and we've not shared Christ one-on-one or in the power that we have. And that's not a word of judgment. That's a word for me and a word for you. Is that 2016, Lord Jesus, would you anoint this place? Would you anoint the people that hear my voice? Would you anoint the people that will watch this on video? Would you drive us to love the word of God and to go on mission for Christ? Amen? God, don't let us omit you in 2016. We need more of you. I, I love this word. Key elements of the Great Commission, where you go, you make that disciples, you baptize, you teach them in trying to, Talk about the power of the Spirit working in your life, walking in the authority of Christ. Also, part of it means, as, as he says here, go make disciples of all the nations. That means going global too. It means going across the street. It means going down the street. It means going downtown. It means going to the next county, to the next state, to the next nation. It means going all around. The Great Commission is for the world. The gospel is for the world in the church. This uh, 2016, Blake I think it's going to be taking the students to Haiti or some other, uh, to a foreign country. And we're working on another adult trip to go to Mexico this summer, and we're also working on a trip for Israel. That's just part of the gospel. But I've got to tell you, one of the greatest places is right here, right here where these feet are, right here in this place, right here in this community. I've got to tell you, if, if we all left right now and just rode around Montgomery, we would see a lot of people, their garages have not opened, their home, they're, they're not on mission today. And they're like, man, so I'm thinking, man, so much of the community doesn't have Christ. I'm saying, God, lead this to those people to share you, that people want you. And then I thought about the whole thing is that sometimes people want to, hey, here it is. Hey, when you were in college, did you ever audit a class? You know what I mean when I say audit? When you audit a class, it's kind of cool. You, you get the same subject material that everybody in the room gets. But here's the cool part. You don't get graded. You don't get a credit. You audit it. You, you just receive all the information. And here's what I've wondered about the church of Jesus Christ. A lot of Christians just audit the Christian life. They, they get all this information coming in weekend after weekend, day after day. But you know what? Jesus doesn't want us to audit the Christian life. He wants us to go for it. It's not just to get information. It's, it's like, well, I'll just audit Jesus. No, I want you to embrace Jesus. I want you to encounter the living Christ. I want you to encounter his word, that you get saturated in the thoughts of Jesus, in his word, in his worldview, in the orientation of Scripture. Lord, make us, Christ community, a people of the book, a people that love your word, a people that are not 
ashamed of you. But it is the power of God for salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Lord Jesus, I will love you. I will elevate your word above my life. I will elevate you, Lord Jesus, above all things. I will crown you Lord of all. I will give my adoration to you, King Jesus. Jesus, that's what I want. It's not just about conversion. It's about making disciples and, and, and going for what you have. You know, this morning I'm starting this series, as you know, about simple we're going to talk about simple focus, simple devotion, simple church, simple economics, just a lot of simple stuff. My prayer is that God's going to use this series in my heart and yours, that he's going to readjust, recalibrate, refocus, redirect the church to get hungry for the gospel. And that we're going to just begin to see in January 17th coming up is the next baptism. Some of you in this room today probably need to follow Christ in the next step. You've received Christ. You've never been baptized. You need to follow Christ in baptism. Maybe uh, this would be the coolest thing. I wish we would just go on so much mission, not omission, and we'd share our faith, and our, we'd see some friends come to Jesus over the next couple of weeks, and they would follow Christ in baptism. Would that be the coolest thing, church? Church, would that be awesome? Hey, we, can we open our mouths? And you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know very much. Oh, you know more than you think. Are you saved? Well, yeah, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Then you got something to tell. You're saying, but I might butcher it up. That's okay. They're probably your friend. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to judge you. Man, they're probably hungry for something that you've got. I'm just thinking. I think about when I first came to Christ. I would witness to everything that breathed. It, 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 I wish, and I, I got, I'm ashamed. I, I, don't, I don't do that like I once did. Now I'm dignified. I'm a preacher, and I want to give you four points in a poem, and I want to teach you all this stuff. And I share Christ, and all these people, I, I'm religious and all that. Used to, I just walk up to people. I didn't care. I didn't give a flying rip. I just, man, you, do you know Jesus? And I just started talking to you and just share, share. I remember one day a guy came over and sold me encyclopedias. And I repented. I told Don I shouldn't have bought those encyclopedias. But all I wanted to do was I wanted to share Jesus with him. And I bought a set of encyclopedias and led him to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And you're saying, was that real? I don't know if he got really saved or not. He, 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 wanted, he said he wanted Christ in his life. But I, I just remember, man, people came. People got my... In, in my space, I was going to share the gospel with you. You're like, yeah, but you're a preacher. I wasn't a preacher then. I was just a Christ follower. Today I'm a preacher. Sometimes I think I'm at a disservice being a preacher because I got an office. You expect me to do it, but how about when you walk into somebody and go, you know what? Your life is messed up. What gave you the right to judge me? Because I used to be just like you, but you know what? Christ is making a difference in my heart. Christ is changing my speech. Christ is giving me new desires. I want you to know Christ. And you know what? There's an eternal hell, but I'm not trying to scare you, but you're probably going there. And I just want you to know. I want you to have Christ. See, I'm not under tactic. Oh, y'all could get on the bus right now, and they're probably going to crush, run down to I-85, and you're all going to go to hell without Jesus. Oh, no. How about there's a loving God in heaven that is madly in love with you. He sent his son to die for you. He gave his life freely for you. He's inviting you into a personal relationship with him. Would you open your heart wide to the Savior to invite him to come in and change your heart and transform your mind? Would you give your heart to a king that lives forever, that one day you might live forever and reign with him? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know a God like that. That's we could do something like that. All right, write it down here quickly. Baptism, January 17th. Maybe that's your decision you want to follow him. Maybe you want to share your faith. I don't know. You know, you know what I was thinking the other day? I thought this would be so cool. We always invite people up. I would love for you to share the gospel because it's the Great Commission. But I'd love for you to get into baptistry and baptize your friends. How cool would that be for you to be a part of the baptism? Would that be pretty awesome? 
You just get out of there. And you can get in the tank with them if you want to. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Or you can stay on the outside because we've got this tank where you don't have to get inside. But just follow Christ, lifeblood, the Savior. This morning, there it is. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me not to just read these pages and make them a mantra for life and go, that's a good poster. Help them to become life for me and to the city and to the nation and to the world. I'm going to invite the team if they'll come, and we're going to sing a great song that we love around here called Oceans. And um, This morning, I pray that maybe God has stirred something in your heart deep within you. And uh, I'm going to be in the back by the column if you'd love to just pray or share or ask questions. I mean, I'd love to meet with you. And uh, I just... I'm just excited about this series called Simple. It's going to be real simple because I'm a simple person. I think the gospel, you know, we've made the, the gospel complicated. The gospel is not complicated. It's very simple. Let's embrace the simple truth of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I am grateful for this morning for your, for your presence and for your love that has gathered people in a living room. Lord, I'm grateful that 20 years ago you began to put things in my heart about a people gathering, not so much about a place, but a people that would seek out to find Christ and to, to know him and then to go out from there and to make him known that their friends might have the Savior. Lord, I pray that today that you would draw some people to the goodness. In your kindness, there is repentance. Lord, I pray that today you would have mercy on us and there's somebody in this room that they would just simply open their heart and say, Jesus, come. Come into my life today and be born. Come into my life today and take over. I made a mess of 2015, but I want a new start. I want a new heart. I receive you, Lord Jesus. I receive the gospel. Root it in my life and let it overflow with thankfulness and joy. I give my heart to the King this day. If anybody prayed that prayer, why don't you just, in the darkness of this room as we sing, why don't you just slide back there and go, I want you to know, I received Christ today. What's my next step? Love to share that with you.